Hello, and welcome to the very first podcast from W is for Duck. My name is Lawrence Legrue, and I am the creator of W is for Duck, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I will talk about a few things in life that have caught my eye, metaphorically speaking, of course. I won't be talking about low-hanging branches, or the arm of my rotary clothesline that always turns just enough when I bend down to pick up the next item to hang, that it clacks me in the side of the head when I straighten up. Now, I am aware, however improbable this may seem, that some of you might not have the faintest idea what W is for duck is. Well, allow me to enlighten you. W is for duck is the name of my blog, which started in January 2017. You can find it by simply searching for W is for duck in Google. At this point, I must state for the record that other search engines are available. On my blog, I take a sideways look at life in all its complexity and variety. I write about real life, either as it happens to me or general observations. In addition to my usual blog posts, Each Friday I post a poem, imaginatively titled The Friday Poem, which again, like my blog posts, are generally about life and this journey we are all on. The majority of my poems are funny, but I'm not afraid to get serious or indeed romantic too. However, I do draw the line at getting seriously romantic. Draw the line with a great big marker pen in the colour. No! And that was a joke, of course. Watch out for my jokes and they'll come at you from anywhere. But getting back to my poems, I have in fact self-published, with a little help from Amazon, um, other global capitalist retail monsters are available, a book of the first year's worth of Friday poems to come out of my blog. Again, if you go to Amazon and search for The Friday Poems, my book will come up. I was going to suggest that you search for W is for Duck, but when I did a test run on this myself, I discovered that the Amazon search logarithm felt that I must have mistyped my search request and therefore really wanted to look for wigs for ducks. And to make matters worse, of the results that appeared under the patronising sentence Did you mean wigs for ducks? None of them were actually wigs for ducks. So I don't know if you even can get wigs for ducks, which in turn raises a whole heap of other questions. Like, do ducks go bald and need a wig? I suppose they could suffer from mallard pattern baldness. And who thought that ducks would be so self-conscious that they would want a wig? And who is making these tiny, waterproof wigs for ducks? And if they are making them, where can I get one? Because Amazon don't stock any. Anyway, back to this podcast. As well as giving my thoughts on topics just like the the perceived need for hair pieces for waterfowl, in each podcast I will read the previous week's Friday poem. You are, of course, welcome to visit my blog and read the Friday poem for yourself, but it'll be a different experience for you hearing it from me. And hopefully an enjoyable one. So, that is what this podcast is about. Now, let's get on and start. So, I'm going to start with an outburst. Not my own, but rather one I heard whilst out and about. I had finished work and was meeting my son in town because he had to have a haircut after school. He's 14, almost, 
and the haircut was prearranged with his stepsister via his mum. Kind of like an arranged marriage, I guess, but you end up looking neater. Anyway, I'd arranged to meet my son outside the local establishment of a well-known chain of coffee shops. As I was unaware how long it takes to cut a 14-year-old's hair, I arrived at the coffee shop early and decided to wait. The saying, when in Rome, rang true for me, so I butchered a Christian and then set fire to the place while playing the fiddle. <laughs> That's not true, of course. I can't play the fiddle. No, what I did do was decide to have a coffee whilst they waited for my son. I duly approached the counter to order my drink, a medium cappuccino with chocolate sprinkles. I was about to inform the barista of my choice when her colleague suddenly shouted out, Fruit flaps! Fruit flaps! Well, I was shocked. You just don't expect to hear that sort of language in a coffee shop. I'd like to be able to say that it ended there, but oh no. The appalling tirade continued as a foul-mouthed assistant directed it at another worker who was clearing tables. Fruit flaps! Fruit flaps! Sharon, I can't see your fruit flaps! You told me that you'd got them out. Where are they? Show me your fruit flaps! Well, by now I was traumatised, but also confused because as I looked round for help, I expected to see the other patrons with shocked expressions like mine. But everyone else was just carrying on as if, as if this was perfectly normal. For a moment, I didn't understand. And then I realised that the staff member in question must have some form of Tourette's, and that the coffee chain was being very forward-thinking by employing her. Either that, or she was common as muck. I was just about to ask the, ask the assistant serving me if her friend was living with such a condition, when Sharon appeared behind the counter, carrying a box which said on the side, 48 fruit flaps, best before end, 19th of December 2018. Apparently, fruit flaps is a snack that you can buy to have with your coffee, and is not a disgustingly rude description of a lady's personal area. I cannot tell you how relieved I was, and in fact, I made the point of mentioning my whole misunderstanding to the staff behind the counter. We all laughed about it in the end, although I still think one of them definitely had Tourette's, because as I was handed my coffee and turned to go and sit down, I definitely heard one of them blurt out uncontrollably, Twat. Now, I'm not afraid to admit that I am struggling with my weight. I'm a big guy. I'm six and a half feet tall, so I do carry it quite well, but I just don't feel comfortable in myself. At the moment, I'm at my heaviest ever weight. Uh, 18 stones, 4 pounds, or 116 kilos. I'm generally worried about the health implications of my weight, and so I've started taking action. Um, I'm having swimming lessons, um, and I write a weekly post about them on my blog. Uh, and I'm also trying to park one mile away from my work and walk in each day. So that's two miles a day, for those of you who can't multiply one by two, uh, which is ten miles a week, and so should make a difference. However, my biggest weakness has always been food, and I'm a sucker for cakes, chocolates and biscuits. I'm trying to cut these sweet treats out, but in addition to this, I'm trying something a little out there to see if that will help. I'm trying to limit the number of mouthfuls I have each day.
It sounds crazy, I know, but this is the theory. If I say that I can only have, for example, 50 mouthfuls of food a day and stick to it, then in theory, I will eat less than I do now. And when I say mouthful, I don't mean a mouthful of food. I mean like a normal bite. Currently, I stuff donuts and cakes and biscuits into my face at work. Someone is always either leaving or having a birthday, so there are always treats on offer. I also then have my lunch, and then I go home and I have a meal and a dessert. And it's way too much. So the theory is, is that if I know I've got limited mouthfuls available to me, I will choose what I use them up on more carefully. Because if I use 30 mouthfuls up on lunch and snacking throughout the day, then I'll only have 20 mouthfuls left for my evening meal. And once they're up, I have to stop. Now, it will take great willpower, I admit, but I figure it will be easier to decide not to waste a mouthful on a sweet treat than it will be to give up a tasty evening meal. I've done some trials to see how many mouthfuls it takes me to eat stuff, and I think you'd be surprised if you counted how many mouthfuls you get through in your evening meal. So far, eating half a sandwich, that's two slices of bread with a filling then cut in half, takes me four mouthfuls or bites, so I eat for both halves. I do take fruit with me to work, usually an apple or an orange, which take about eight to twelve mouthfuls each. So, as an average, that's ten for an apple, ten for an orange, and eight for my sandwiches. That's twenty-eight mouthfuls already. That would leave me 22 for my evening meal, which isn't a lot. And I don't have breakfast during the week. So at the weekend, that could be another 10 or 20 mouthfuls if I was having toast or cereal. The difficulty I am having is that I haven't yet been able to accurately record how many mouthfuls my evening meal and dessert take up. The reasons for this are, A, I lose track in the general conversation that goes on around the table at mealtimes, and B, the food tastes so good I lose count. I will try to find a current benchmark for the entire day's eating, including my current snagging habits, so I know what I need to work on. And of course, I will keep you informed. I do hope that you've enjoyed this first podcast from W is for Duck. Um, as promised, I'd like to finish off with a reading of the Friday poem that I passed last posted last week um, so this is a Friday poem 69 it's the 69th poem that I've written um, if you want to find out about the other 68 the first 52 of them are available in my book the Friday poems volume one uh, which is available on Amazon um, and then you can read from 53 to 69 on my blog W's for Duck anyway until next week Um, I hope you've enjoyed my blog. Feel free to leave me a comment. Um, And here is Friday Poem 69, which is called A Cautionary Tale. Here is a fact that you cannot deny. Being eaten by an alligator will make you cry. This is a tale of deep regret, of a boy who pestered for such a pet. Young Randolph was an impetuous child demanding and with temper wild, and when he knew which thing he wanted, he would force the point to be confronted. His parents, a spineless pair of simple mind, 
would cave in at the merest whine, and would succumb to every whim, to mute their offspring's endless din. The trigger for Randall's fateful strop was inhabitant of a pet shop. Within its window lay the agitator, a foot-long baby alligator. The boy gazed intently upon the creature, as wonderment spread across his features. He knew he wanted the scaly babe, and so Randolph began his loud tirade. His folks capitulated in an instant, for fear of a moan and wail persistent. They really should have told him, Stop! but followed meekly into the shop. Now, normal parents will know this clearly. Alligators don't make good pets, really. Alas, here this was not the case, as with beast in tow, they left the place. Once home, young Randolph was entranced, and proudly with his new pet pranced. One fateful decision sealed his doom. The alligator slept in his bedroom. Like many things, this fact is true. A one-foot alligator soon grows to two. This trick is repeated, and then again, until it reaches eight or ten. Young Randolph fed it every night, and squealed excitedly at the sight, as it swallowed whole some mice and rats then larger things like dogs and cats. And all the while he failed to see, his pet eyeing him up hungrily. One night the alligator seized its chance and bit Randolph in his underpants. In two bites little Randolph died as the alligator gulped him down inside. Still hungry, silently it slipped downstairs and ate his parents in their chairs. Then, having eaten all in sight, the creature slipped out into the night. Though searched for, it was as feared. The alligator simply disappeared. There is a moral to this tale. Although your children moan and wail, not getting their own way makes them stronger. Plus, they'll very likely live for longer.